This is Oncology Republic. I'm Felicity Nelson. This episode, we're speaking with someone who's experienced cancer firsthand and is also an ex-ABC broadcaster of 20 years, Julie McCrossan. In 2013, Julie was treated for stage four throat cancer. She is now ambassador for Head and Neck Cancer Australia, targeting cancer and TROG cancer research. This episode, she tells us about how difficult it is to get adequate dental care as a patient undergoing chemotherapy. The interview was conducted by one of our freelance journalists, Ben Falkemeyer. Julie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So tell us a bit about your journey from being a cancer patient to being a patient advocate. Well, look, I was uh, diagnosed and treated for stage four oropharyngeal cancer in 2013. Oropharyngeal is uh, tonsils, tongue and throat. And uh, I'd been a non-smoker and a non complete non-drinker since the late 1970s. So to be diagnosed in 2013 with effectively throat cancer, I, I cannot tell you, shock was the biggest impact. But anyway, I was treated with... Um, radiation chemo it was caused by the human papillomavirus the hpv virus mm-hmm. sexually transmitted and most people associate it with cervical cancer but of course it causes oral cancer anal cancer penal cancer as well as cervical because it's sexual and there's an epidemic of the cancer that i've got evidently a lot of us started to have oral sex in the 60s and 70s and <laughs> it takes 20 or 30 years plus to develop in most people so, you know, in my initial reaction to it was just to survive and, and uh, it's, a, it's a rugged treatment uh, uh, situation. Um, it has uh, one of the odd things about or slightly unusual things about head and neck cancer is that the side effects not only are acutely tough but you recover and then they continue to be detrimental uh, to an increasing level over time. Right. So if you're lucky to live long, and I have been, I'm approaching eight years since treatment, you start to get uh, side effects. And I think two things got me into advocacy. One was um, some aspects of the treatment experience itself I thought could have been handled better. And secondly, I've become very interested in the dental side effects of radiation to the mouth and jaw area. And I think that's one, because it's a huge issue that doesn't get enough attention. And second, because my dad was an orthodontist. I I, I worked in his surgery when I was a kid. And so I somehow feel that, uh, yeah, I owe it. I owe the world something around dentistry and I can do something about it. And, you know, I'm an advocate sort of person. I was a women's libber and a gay libber. So it's natural to me to have a go. You mentioned you, uh, some of the side effects. Can you tell us a bit more about that in particular in dentistry? So I was treated with radiation and chemotherapy and the side effects for chemotherapy, um, particularly hearing loss, uh, tinnitus, can be kidney damage. I discovered my kidneys were very good and that's probably because I hadn't drunk alcohol for so long. So there are more, but the key ones with the chemo is hearing loss, tinnitus, and possible kidney damage. With radiation therapy, and I am an advocate for radiation therapy, you know, you can see me now, I look okay. You wouldn't necessarily know I'd had this incredibly tough head and neck cancer. And that's because I've healed up. So, and it's saved my life, I'm here eight years later. But there's no question that radiation to the head and neck is hard. So one aspect is that you need to wear a rigid 
plastic mask that they mould to your head and they bolt you down on a table. And I just found that a really psychologically challenging thing and a significant proportion of people do. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get all sorts of help for it, I'm happy to tell you if you're interested, but I didn't get that help until after three or four treatments. I had 30 consecutive treatments, 30 days consecutively, and that was a really hard psychological experience. Effectively, radiation burns the cancer, so um, you get burned. So I peeled on the outside of my neck. Uh, Fortunately, I had worn a lot of sunscreen and shielded myself through life, but many men or women who might be older or have that more wrinkly, dried-up skin, particularly if you've been a smoker, you know how smokers' skin dries up a bit? Their skin can open up. You can actually have wounds and people have dressings. So when you're waiting in the waiting room, you see people like that, you think, oh, golly, is that going to happen to me? But most importantly, from the dental point of view, people who have radiation to that area, they they get what's called xerostomia or dry mouth. So you literally stop having saliva. And saliva is essential for the health of the teeth. And so it's also essential for eating and and chewing up food and swallowing it properly. So it has a, a short, acute hit on your radiation, but the long term damage to your teeth, if you're saliva doesn't come back in a sufficient quantity or of the same quality is a really serious issue and uh, as a result many people have uh, a lot of teeth extracted before treatment because it would be quite dangerous for me to ever have an extraction. Uh, You might get what's called necrosis of the jaw or bone death. Now doesn't that all sound challenging? Mm. (laughs) It's a tough gig head and neck cancer. Can I ask, you mentioned that you, were, you had 30 days of back-to-back treatment of radiation. Mm. How long? And weekly be, chemo. And weekly chemo. How long would you be with the, with the mask on? It took them about four to five minutes to get you into a very pri- precise position and leave the room. Because the whole idea of the mask is that you don't move at all, so the beam kills the cancer and doesn't hurt healthy tissue. And if you think what's around your head, you don't want the beam wobbling around anywhere. So from the time they left the room till the time they came back was 20 minutes. Now, that's a long treatment with radiation. But, you know, I had stage four. There's only four stages. I had it in multiple locations and, uh, you know, they had to get it. How long after your treatment did you notice this saliva effect? Did it come straight away? No, it happens gradually. Okay. You're effectively burning inside, inside the deep, part of your throat and inside the mouth and what so you just like any burn you blister and swell and I want to reassure anyone listening to this who may have had a diagnosis or know someone who's had a diagnosis I had fantastic pain management that's what all those drugs are for all those opioids so I didn't feel pain of any significance but I was on very significant multiple pain medications and topical pain relief so including a a spray that you spray on that is like um, kills the pain short term. So I just want to reassure people, they really look after you. Head and neck cancer is a multidisciplinary team cancer. They really all are, but head and neck cancer really is. So you have speech pathologists and dietitians and psychologists and you know, three different kinds of doctor and, you know, they really uh, constant checking. But the saliva gradually goes and you 
your capacity to swallow effectively gradually goes. So you end up going on to liquid food. As a result, the other big side effect is very significant weight loss. So I lost over 20 kilograms in six weeks. Very sadly, I've put it all back on. Uh, But I've lived long enough to have weight problems back again. But uh, I don't mean that flipply. It can be hard for people to put weight back on, but I'm afraid I did not have that difficulty. But to lose that much weight that quickly is really tough on your body. Um, So no, all the side effects come on gradually and they go gradually. But the trouble is radiation, they call it the gift that keeps on giving. And it does damage that if you live long enough, it starts to have effect at four years, five years, six years and beyond. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that it took four to five years to come on or, or thereabouts, like it's a slow process. When did you start noticing it at the dentist? When did your dentist start saying to you, we've got problems here? The side effects of the treatment come steadily on over the, the month you're in treatment <laughs> and they intensify for two weeks after treatment because radiation keeps on working after it stops. It's amazing. Um, and then you go into this intense period of recovery and then things start to get bad again later. So it's quite a complex um, mix of impacts. The trick with head and neck cancer, if you've got to have a good chance of survival and minimise the side effects, is that you need to go to a cancer centre that has a multidisciplinary team and deals with a high volume of head and neck cancer patients. And it's critical that you have a dental assessment before you start. Now, up until 15, 10 or 15 years ago, and in some parts of Australia still, The impact of radiation on saliva is so severe and so detrimental to the health of teeth, they extract all the patient's teeth prior to radiation treatment. I'll just repeat that because it took me a while to comprehend what I was being told. Mm -hmm. It's called a full mouth clearance, and they're still doing that in Australia. What's critical to understand about why this is important for this group of cancer patients is that when we formed Medicare, so free universal access to health care, we did not include the mouth in Medicare. And that has an astonishingly negative impact on head and neck cancer patients, and we really need to change it. It's inhumane. So when you're a poor head and neck cancer patient, you get a- access to public dentistry, but it's intense while you're actually having the treatment but then there's huge delays and again you've got to be pretty uh, poor to qualify most people don't qualify and that's why they do these massive extractions it's common for people to have five eight or even all their teeth extracted because the dentist before radiation looks in your mouth and says this person hasn't been going regularly to the dentist they have poor oral hygiene they might be saying I just can't afford to go to the dentist and so because it will be so dangerous for them to have extractions after radiation and they risk bone death or necrosis they take all their teeth out well I reckon we'll look back on this one day and say this is just inhumane. Can I ask why does the lack of saliva do so much damage to the teeth? Look, it was all news to me, I have to say, and I can't give you the scientific answer. I'm in the end a head and neck cancer patient, not a a dentist or a doctor. But as it's been explained to me is saliva, so there's characteristics and content in saliva that are absolutely essential to the life of the teeth and teeth 
die without saliva. They actually die. How do dentists treat the problem where there's a lack of saliva? Well, my understanding is, and my direct experience is, you can't make it come back and they can't promise you how much will come back and what quality it will have. So there are people called special needs dentists. There aren't enough of them. And they will do assessments of you prior to your treatment and and follow you up later and give advice to your general dentist. Because you've got to remember, head and neck cancer is considered a rare cancer. About 10,000 Australians get it a year. And that's not a lot in the cancer world. So... Um, so in other words, the average dentist doesn't have a lot of patients like this. So you have to ask your dentist to contact your radiation oncologist and talk to them. That's what I did, to brief them on what they need to do. So you can tell a head and neck cancer patient because we carry water. So I carried water for two and a half years. I was never without water. Uh, secondly, I get frequent fluoride treatment because fluoride is what protects your teeth. Uh, uh, and you can buy uh, fluoride-enforced uh, toothpaste, but again, it's expensive. Trips to the dentist for fluoride treatment or what they call fluoride trays, so you get trays made and they fill them with fluoride and you whack it in your mouth every night. I did that for about 12 months. All money, all money. All money. And, and also you've got to be really dedicated so that's why for so many people, they take their teeth out instead. Any tooth that they think's got any vulnerability, they take it out. But to take out seven or eight teeth, and then they have to wait till your teeth heal before they can do the radiation. So my uh, surgeon and my radiation oncologist opened my mouth, looked in and went, good girl, and went on the side of my face. And that's because I'm a dentist daughter with private health insurance. I've been one of those nerds that goes to the dentist every six months for years. I was in my late 50s when I got this cancer. But I gather that the majority of Australians don't look after their teeth, and I think that's mainly for financial reasons. You mentioned before, early in the conversation, a um, before people have radiation, they should have a consultant dentist. And you've also just mentioned there that, you've, um, that you linked up your radiation oncologist with your dentist. Mm-hmm. What do you think can be done better in this process for head and neck cancer patients? The terrible truth is that when it comes to the relationship between medicine and multidisciplinary cancer teams and the dentists of Australia, there is a hell of a lot that has to improve. It is not normal practice to give a head and neck cancer patient a a discharge summary after their cancer treatment to take to their dentist. It is not normal practice for the cancer team to communicate regularly in writing with the dentist. It is just mind-boggling to say that to you after what you've just heard because an appropriate multi-year liaison between your general dentist and the multidisciplinary cancer team is vital to your dental well-being. And just so you know, head and neck cancer patients, like other cancer patients, we have detailed, regular contact with our cancer team for five years. Five years Mm -hmm. is actually quite a long time, Mm -hmm. you know. About 71% of us make it to five years, just to give you the feeling of it. So I was having three monthly uh, checks 
for about two years. I was having six monthly checks for about three and a half years. And then I was having annual checks to five years. And at no point did anyone suggest that they would give me something in writing for my dentist. Well, I just went to my... I had a, I have a really good general dentist and I have a really nice surgeon who knows a lot about this stuff and I just said, will you talk to each other? And my dentist was amazed that a surgeon from a leading teaching hospital in Sydney would ring a humble general dentist. But of course, this is bizarre. It's absolutely outrageous and wrong. It is outrageous and wrong, but I also want to say one of the great things about being a patient advocate is that I have, I'm now a voluntary patron for three organisations that are to do with uh, the treatment through radiation, one called TROG Cancer Research, and that's a, a TROG is an acronym, but it basically is all about a, a relationship between radiation oncologists across Australia and New Zealand who are engaged in research to improve radiation care. There's a, a, a group called Targeting Cancer, which is an advocacy website and series of um, educational seminars, particularly for general practitioners run by the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Radiologists Faculty of Radiation Oncology. They call themselves Targeting Cancer because that's a little bit easier and the target is the beam of the radiation targeting you. And they, uh, I've partnered with uh, clinicians of all sorts from both TROG Cancer Research and targeting cancer and also the Australian Head and Neck Cancer Association. I'm a patron of that as well who work with all those people to uh, inform general practitioners and dentists about everything I'm saying. So there's a great body of people who know this is wrong and it needs to be fixed. But, you know, that critical moment when Medicare was set up, it's as if dentistry and medicine are on two completely separate paths. You know, and it's to the enormous detriment of many people, but head and neck cancer people truly suffer. Sounds like very, very important uh, information there for patients, and and we're lucky that you're leading that conversation. Um, Julie, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Oncology Republic podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or read more on our website, oncologyrepublic.com.au. Original podcast music by Victoria Nelson.